So Webster defines worry, this is really interesting, as choke or strangle. It talks, it says to harass by tearing, biting, or snapping, especially at the throat, and to touch or disrupt something repeatedly. Isn't that what worry does to us? Before, before we start referring to that, it literally means like somebody's, hey, 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 hey. You're like, I wasn't irritated, but now I am. Or has anybody ever been like, you mad, bro? You mad? Are you mad, bro? Why are you mad? Well, I was like, I was in Ireland, and the guy kept going, why are you mad? You're so mad. You're raging. You're raging. I'm like, I'm not mad. He's like, you are. You're mad. You're just raging. I can't, I can't understand it. You don't like Ireland? I'm like, I like Ireland. He's like, oh, so you don't like me? Is that you're raging? You're so mad. And I was like, I'm not mad. He's like, I, but I see it in you. You're mad. You're just you're furious. And I don't, is that all Americans like that? And I was like, I'm not mad. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, ah, you sure about that? <laughs> and I'm like, like, jerks, I see what you did there. So every time I see him now, I'm like, are you raging? Are you scundered? Because that's one of the words they use in Ireland. But um, it's so funny. I feel like worry does that to you. It's like, hey, look, look, there's a problem. I'm like, there's no problem. There's a problem. No, there's not a problem. There's a big problem. It could happen. <laughs> like, it's not actually what's actually happening. It's like the potential to happen. Today, all of my needs are met. Does anybody go without lunch, breakfast, dinner? I mean, some people might be fasting, but you, yeah, okay. So breakfast, but you, you probably ate something, right? Yeah, you had a pizza. So is there anybody here that hasn't eaten in the last 30 days? Right, okay. Is anybody here that, that didn't have a place to sleep last night? Is there anybody here that doesn't have a dollar in your bank account? <laughs> okay, I'll fix that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're close. You are so close. So, but the enemy comes up, and, and I find it so interesting because it talks about choke or strangle because that's what it does. Worry suffocates the life out of you. And if any of you guys have ever been to Longhorn, I probably mentioned this before, but they've got this plaque or portrait hanging up on the wall in the bathroom when you first walk in. Every time I pass it, it it's, it's just a reminder of something I've heard before, but it says, worries like paying on a debt that will never come due. And that's so true. I, I don't have to be spending my energy, my time, constantly fixating on a potential problem that doesn't exist yet. But that's what sometimes worry and anxiety does, is this has the potential to go wrong, so I need to, I need to fear that it could go wrong. And I, I want to later talk about how we can prepare for damaging situations. But I'll explain the difference between preparing for a dangerous situation like fire drills, for instance, if there was a fire, or tornado drills if there was a tornado, and between fixating in a negative way that begins to demean you and, and cause you stress. But also it says mental distress or agitation resulting from concern, big word there is concern, usually from something impending or anticipated. So it hasn't happened or it's about to happen, right? An instance of distress or agitation to experience concern or anxiety, right? 
When I was studying for this message today, I'm not somebody who ever deals with anxiety. I, I don't. I don't define myself like that. I've been anxious before. I've felt uncomfortable. A lot of times anxiety, when it's um, explained, is a lot of discomfort. I've felt uncomfortable. But how many think that sometimes we use it to describe dis discomfort in a, in a way that is maybe a little bit exaggerated? I'm dealing with anxiety, and, and maybe we're really not dealing with it to the extent that other people are. We feel uncomfortable, and maybe we're in a new environment, and it feels I've definitely felt out of place. But it, anxiety is apprehensive uneasiness or nervousness, usually over an impending or anticipated ill. So it's concern, it's fixation on impending or anticipated ill. But I want to I say, what does the Bible say about these things? 1 Peter 5, I want you to go there if you can, in your scripture. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6. And um, some people are dealing with anxiety so much that it's caused you to be frozen exactly where you are in life. Uh, there are times that people have actually had something called arrested development. Have you ever seen the show? The... <laughs> It's a funny show if you're not stressed out by those kind of shows. Like, if I start watching, like, the Chevy Chase Vacation, it just stresses me out. I'm like, oh, God, everything that could go wrong, possibly wrong, is going wrong. And I just start, like, I start feeling, like, my shoulders tense up. And this, these right here, I think they're called traps. They start to entrap me. Like, my neck can't move. <laughs> yeah. Um, but 1 Peter 5 and verse 6, who wants to read it? Anybody got it? Raise your hand if you got it. All right, you're reading it. Thank you. That's right. Humble yourselves, therefore, in the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Does anybody think I read the wrong scripture? Anybody? I didn't. You got context right here, okay? So the next verse says this, casting all your care upon him. How many know that it takes humility, and Allie talked a little bit about this on Sunday morning, and she did a phenomenal job, um, but it takes humility to cast all your cares upon Jesus. Because what you're saying is, I'm not big enough to handle this on my own. A lot of us want to say, I can do this on my own, I'm independent. But actually, God made us to be interdependent upon his goodness. And he gives us the peace that we need in order to rely on him. But it takes humility in order to come to a place where we say, I can't do this on my own. I've got, I've got an issue. I've got a problem. And some people are dealing with problems so much, they, they can't leave their house. They want to stay in all the time. They become hermits. Like, and it's a really difficult problem. And, and most of us in this place here tonight don't deal with that that kind of a place, but maybe you, there was a real struggle to leave your home tonight and to come out, and I'm glad you did, but it took humility to understand that you have an issue, to seek help, to seek counsel, and it says casting, the word there is eperito, it sounds like that um, Harlem, that, what is it, the Harlem song, eperito, yeah, it's like, right, have you heard that, it actually said something about terrorista, but this one is Eperipto, if you want to remember that. To throw upon or to place upon. I love it when we're, when we're holding on to things. Have you ever held something that was really, really heavy? And 
I'm going to walk here for a second. But you're like, you're holding a boulder, and you're walking around like this. And, and, and then all of a sudden, you get to where it needs to go, and what do you do? Ugh. Like, like, I can't, it's like, you can't, when it's that heavy, you can't even get yourself down that low. So you just get to a certain place, and you're like, ugh, and hope for the best, right? Unless it's a really heavy piece of furniture, and then you try not to do that, but you may do that anyways. I think that's what it looks like when God, it says, throw or cast before the Lord. It's at his feet. And the reason I think it's at his feet, because you can't even lift up some of the heaviness that you've been carrying and holding on to onto his lap. You can't even get it up that high because you're so low. And you cast it at his feet because that's where you can drop it. And God doesn't want you to do anything other than just let him take care of it. And I don't want you to to be so naive as to believe that God will meet every one of your needs without your involvement. He involves us because it gives us an opportunity to minister to other people, to interrelate, to um, bear one another's burdens, right? So he doesn't take everything from us, but we put it at his feet, and then he, he has a way of saying, okay, this is how I want you to handle it. He's the advisor, he's the guide, he's the counselor, he's the compass. And, and he navigates lives when, when we get to a place where we can't see the, the forest for the trees. Anybody ever heard of that? You can't see the forest through the trees. Like you're so stuck in where you are, you don't know how to get out of it. Like you're, you, you're lost. He's the navigator and will help you navigate. I, I love what uh, Sarah posted the other night. It's so simple. Share, share what, yes, about the pillow. About the pillow. Um, I was See, God, God gives us simple solutions a lot of times. And, um, I mean, it, it's so impressive how God works. I kept getting all this stuff on the wall the one day when I was um, washing the walls and I was getting ready to paint. And it just kept, like, the dust kept coming together. And I was like, man, I got to get new sponges because this sponge isn't working right. And then God just gently goes, uh, no, you need a dust rag. Your sponge is fine. It's like... Use a dust rag first. You don't need to buy new sponges. And that was, I know that sounds so ridiculous, but it's simple ways that God really speaks to us. Grace, you had something that the Lord showed you that you posted.
I know some things are so simple. You're like, that wasn't God. That was your, the voice of wisdom inside. That was logic. And, but a lot of times, like, sometimes you just can't seem to put it together. And, there, and the voice of wisdom is actually the voice of the Holy Spirit that's counseling you. He, he's the counselor. And he doesn't just counsel you on the majors. He counsels you on the minors. And, and it's so interesting. One of the causes, I think, that we deal with a certain level of anxiousness or anxiety is because of our intake. And, and so one of the things I wrote down was dehydration. If you, if you certainly start feeling anxious, you, start, you don't know why. Part of it could be sleep deprivation, stress. Obviously, stress is a big factor. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Dehydration. Or how many, how many know that caffeination can make your, your nerves, right, your nerves? I, has anybody ever taken albuterol, like when you couldn't breathe? And you, you took in a puff of, of an inhaler. That stuff can make me come unglued. Like I, feel like, I feel like everything in my body, like there's little flies inside of me. And they're just swarming around. Like I, it's hard to explain, but my skin starts crawling. And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> like, like I just want to go sit in a quiet room with nobody around me. You know what I mean? Or like I can only have like one thing because I feel over stimulated uh, like sensory overload when that happens yeah it's I'm, I'm on steroids y'all <laughs> you should stay away from the roids but unless you can't breathe because you don't want to die but anyways my point is some of them is natural things so I'm asking certain people to consider like how much caffeine am I taking in am I doing three nitros every day you know what I mean you cut back I wasn't directed towards one, that wasn't directed towards one person. <laughs> but it does cause you to be anxious if you're taking in the wrong things, if you're not nourishing your bodies, if you're not getting proper sleep. I don't know about you, we'll talk about this one next week, but sleep deprivation makes me so sad. Like I was just, even with the baby, I was like, I'm so sad. Like, my life is not what it should be. Uh, I got, I'm not doing all that I can. I'm not able to get the momentum people to go out to eat anymore. We're not doing stuff. And like, I just had this moment in the middle of the night, and I was just like hitting my head on the headboard. <laughs> just like, oh, God. It's like, I feel like I hate myself. And then I realized, like, I just need to sleep. <laughs> so like, there was one night in the last couple, this two months, I just, I, I went downstairs and slept on the couch, and JC's like, why did you leave me? I was like, I was tired. <laughs> it's terrible, right? But there's some things that are really just human. It's just a human experience, and we've got to look at it through the eyes of what, what, what are we doing physically? Then there's the element of spirituality, too, because they're interrelated. Your flesh is the house for your, whole, for your spirit, right? It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. And it's where your spirit resides, so you got to take care of your house. But I want to read this. Um, Casting all your care upon him. The word there is merimna, which means care or anxiety. And um, because he cares for you. So the word there, the care, anxiety, is you got thoughts like runaway horses. And that's, that was my own words. I'm going to read this. It's, it, it's derived from this, the root meaning to be thoughtful. So somebody mentioned, I think it was Brittany, you said it's when you're thoughtful. It's really, if you're anxious, it's where you're fixating. What are you focusing on? What is, what is your mind telling you to concentrate on? What are you allowing to be 
to rent the real estate of your mind. Because there's something that's always occupying your brain, but only you allow it to occupy that as a renter. You, you are the landlord for your mind, and there are tons of tenants. The enemy will send tenants to your mind, but if you allow the Holy Spirit to come in, he'll flood your mind with peace and kick out ungodly tenants that are occupying the real estate of your mind with thoughts of self-doubt, discouragement, feelings of, of that you can't measure up. Some people feel anxious. They don't feel like they, they're even able to uh, accomplish a task. They don't want to start new challenges. And the, they, they begin to see the task piling up. Anybody like that? Because they keep procrastinating and they're like, maybe I'm not going to do a good enough job or it's not going to be good. And how many know you can't be good until you're fair? You can't be fair until you're at least like moderately decent or even bad. Like every time you start out trying something new, you're going to be bad at the beginning of it. But you'll, you'll see improvement. And a lot of times we don't post the progress. We, don't, we show everybody the finished product, but we don't post the progress. And, and I believe God is in the, in the uh, business of encouraging us in the journey and not just in the destination. I think we need to be open and vulnerable about the journey. I'm, I'm not where a lot of times, especially with weight gain or, or weight loss or muscle development, we, we show the two-year-later picture, but, you know, there's not, you don't necessarily do that. And I'm not telling everybody to do that, but appreciate your progress in that sense. And be in charge of the horses. Recognize when the horses are running out of the barn. When your thoughts are going crazy, you can't catch them, and you're like, you know what? I don't need to focus on that. Maybe you need to play worship music because you start focusing on God. As you focus on God through worship, then your problem gets smaller, and you realize that a need is a <coughs> miracle in disguise. I'm gonna, I'm, we're going to all say that. What is a need? Miracle. Need is a miracle in disguise. Yeah. It's just, it's just waiting for God to reveal himself to us. One more time. What is a need? Yeah, so you are not called to worry about those things. Cast all your cares upon you, uh, on him, because he cares for you. I want to read a couple more. Matthew 6, verse 25 through 27 says, Do not be anxious about your life. I want you to go to Matthew 6. Somebody can read that. And I'll read another one while you guys are looking that one up. That Matthew 11 says this, Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Sometimes we need to take a mental vacation. We need to take a mental vacation, whether that's watching a sitcom or a funny, like when you're feeling anxious, you don't need to watch Grey's Anatomy, okay? You don't need to watch Private Practice or 24, like sometimes shows, like I, w I was like tired and I watched The Blacklist and then I was like, oh, I can't go to sleep. <laughs> Like, there are certain shows that we watch that aren't conducive to peace, right? But throwing on a sitcom before bed instead of something that might be high drama or big action. And those, I like those things, too. But you got to choose when you watch them. Right before bed may not be the right time, especially if you can't get sleep lately. And uh, so give yourself a mental rest. Listen to some Bach, some Beethoven, or... Something jazzy, something, something easy, something calm. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, 
and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So God will take your heavy burden and then he'll return one that's easy for you to bear. He'll give you something that you can handle. But that's what I wanted to say is that it's not that we just throw everything. God's going to pay my mortgage. God's going to pay my electric. God's going to pay my water bill. He's going to pay my sewer bill. I'm just going to go live in this house got free. I've seen people do that in the church where they, they go and get like a super nice car. And then they come and they're like, you know, God told, I, I feel like God's going to pay for this. But I'm going to need you to, the church to pay for it this month until God pays for it. I'm like, well... See, what we want to do is, here's what we want to do. We want to help you get into a car that you can afford because you can't afford this car. I know that you need transportation. Let's sell this. Let's get this into the shop. Because you can't afford this. And if I help you this month, I won't be able, I mean, you're going to be in the same position next month. So I think that there's a level of this that, that we have to plan for. Financial planning is fine. But here's the difference. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. I wrote this down. Consideration without concern. Consideration without concern. If you're taking notes, how do I deal with the future? Consideration. I need to consider the future, but I don't have to be concerned about the future, which leads me back to Matthew chapter 6. And it says, uh, Bree, what does it say? Verse 25. Yeah, read it loud and proud. He got you. You said it right. Keep going. Yeah, which means one inch, we could say one inch to your height. You know, because when you're, and what I think about that, why would he say add another inch to your height? Why would he say that? He would say that because when you feel anxious, when you feel afraid, it makes you small. It makes you feel like, I can't handle this situation. I can't handle this circumstance. I... You know, I found out that I'm going to have to take care of a little one. And when I found out, I, I was like, where am I going to get the clothes? And where am I going to get the diapers? And where am I going to get the crib? And where am I going All these things started overwhelming me. Or when I found out that my mom wants me out of my house, I knew I was going to have to get an apartment. I'm going to have to, you know, do certain things. Now, yeah, that's true. But it's consideration without concern. I consider it. I have a budget. I know where my money's going to go this month. I, I try to get the job so that I can provide for my means. I don't want to live beyond my means, but there's certain aspects of I'm here right now. I don't have the job yet. I put in 17 applications, and I haven't got a call back yet. I know that God will provide. I, I can't, I, all I can do today is worry about what I can do today. And what can I do today? I'll put five more applications in. I haven't got a call back, but I'll put more five more applications because I can do that today. I feel like that's what God's saying is, is take care of what you can take care of and he'll take care of the rest later. He's not saying don't plan, don't budget, don't prognosticate, don't have a plan. He's saying 
You take care of your plan, and when your plans don't work out, something interrupts your plans. You get a pink slip. You, you find out you're terminated, that the company's downsizing, that your car broke a tire. I mean, you should have an emergency fund, but maybe you were working on your emergency fund, and you just bought a tire, and now it's the other tire, and, and I'm, I don't have money for this. God's saying, don't worry. Don't sweat it. Let's take care of today. I, and I just want you to know that that's what he's saying is, Plan for tomorrow, but don't worry about it. Plan for tomorrow, but, but don't fixate like, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I'm going to do what I can do today. Tomorrow is going to take care of itself if I take care of today for tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. And so we said, one, consideration without concern. Number two, compassion without, um, uh, there's a word for it, but I'm just going to say compassion without concern too, but it's, it's when you, I'm going to say compassion without culpability. Culpability means if you're culpable, you're responsible, right? You're guilty. And a lot of times we sometimes, we take on other people. And we get anxious about other people because we see like, oh my gosh, I don't know how they're going to make it. They're, they're, they're struggling with drugs and I, I mean, I, I, they're struggling with alcohol. They're struggling and, I, and I'm overwhelmed. And it could be a brother, a sister, a mother, a dad. It could be children of our own. And you know, our kids aren't getting the grades on the report card, and suddenly, you know, we're overwhelmed, or we're not, it's somebody else, but we took on their problem, and we think it's ours. Now, it says, bear ye one another burdens, but it doesn't say, take somebody's burden, and then carry it for them. And a lot of times, sometimes we do that. We care more about somebody else than they care for themselves. And we, we try to take the, all their burden, and we're over here like this, and then they get dependent on you, and they say you're responsible. Ladies, you're not responsible alone for bringing in income for your house. I see guys that are deadbeats, that are sitting at home, that are expecting their, their honey to come home and so that they can stay at the house. And if you decide as a mom and a dad that the dad's going to be a stay-at-home dad, that's your prerogative he's doing work at the house. Or if you're a dad and you say, she's, she's doing work at the house, that's different from somebody that's a scab. They're living off of you. We're not, I mean, you're not called to raise a, another child that's a grown man. And I'm just throwing that out there. Nobody in here is responsible for somebody else in that way unless you're bearing one another's burdens. But if you're taking on the full weight of responsibility of somebody else, God said, bear you one another's burdens. He didn't say take on somebody else's. So compassion without culpability. It's I'm compassionate about you. I love you. But I don't have to take all your problems as my own. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. So, and I mean, you guys did that. A lot of you did that for me and JC. You, 
Lil, you brought food over to the house and had some good, she could make a mean, was it enchiladas? Man, those are good. She made a mean enchilada. Sarah brought over some taco salad. Man, y'all were praying for us. And I mean, it's a blessing. It was just a blessing. And I, you know, when, when mama gets home and she just, that kind of thing, that's a great example. And you guys demonstrated what that looks like. Compassion without culpability. A lot of other people sewed into us, helped us get, you guys, I mean, came together and diaper bags and oh my goodness. Guys, I just want to say thank you, and we're going to do the same for you. But um, I want to say caretaking without taking care. So what does it mean? That means like taking care of yourself without taking on the cares of, of this life. And it means like, you know, God's not saying you don't need to take care of yourself. You don't need to shower. You don't need to nourish. You don't need to exercise. You know, oh, that's just too much weight. No, he's not saying that. He's saying don't, you know, if... If you're in the middle of working towards your progress, don't beat yourself up because you're not at the destination yet. You know, oh, I felt so far off the chart. I didn't. I, I used to be bench pressing a buck ninety, and now now I'm only at one thirty-five, one twenty-five. Man, I lost so much progress. That's okay. That's all right. Get back. Um, last one I want to say is confrontation without consternation. Some of us, we're, we're afraid to confront serious situations, and we think that we're taking the high road by sweeping it under the rug. And you're not really doing that. You're pretending like it's not bothering you, and you haven't dealt with it in a gentle and um, considerate way. Guys, what's up? Consternation. Consternation is it's like a deep, it's like thought, that causes your brows to furrow. It's like, it's like overwhelming thought. He's consternated. It's not mean constipated, but you might have the same look on your face. <laughs> so um, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave you with a couple ideas this week. Just anxiety. So if you're dealing with that, here's here's the psychological aspect of things. Here's the coping statements. I'm going to be all right. My feelings are not always rational. Tell yourself, my feelings are not always rational. Number two, anxiety is not dangerous, just uncomfortable. I'm, I'm, now, there's a real fear when you're in, a, in the middle of the highway and cars are coming at you. You should feel afraid, right? That's healthy because those cars are going to run you over and you will be no more. Like that, if you're in a dangerous situation, if somebody's abusing you, if somebody's hurting you, somebody's harming you, the, uh, those, if your life is endangered, you should, that's a healthy, rational fear that helps you get uncomfortable enough that you leave that environment where you're endangered, right? But we're talking about anxiety that's not dangerous, just uncomfortable. Number three, right now I have feelings I don't like. They will be over with soon and I'll be fine. These feelings are fleeting. That's why I don't get, I don't pay, I've had those things happen to me. Somebody asked me, he's like, you're so comfortable with new people. I'm not always comfortable with new people. I just force myself to get over it. Every Sunday night, I see some people that I don't know. I don't want, I'm I can't just jump into a conversation like, hey, man, did you see that movie we saw the other night? They don't know. We don't have anything to stand on yet. But I know everybody's human. We all have common ground. We all wake up breathing. We all put our pants on the same way, right? We all, and that's why sometimes I speak to an audience and I'm like, everybody here is wearing underwear. Because I feel nervous if I don't remember that. Everybody here is wearing underwear. Every, you know, like sometimes they have me pick up people that were VIPs 
at ORU, right? And, and, and <laughs> it's so funny, but it's true. And I would be like, oh my gosh, these are like super, super Christians, you know what I mean? Like, these are the people on TV. It's like the Stephen Furtick's of the world. Oh my gosh, I, you know what I mean? And I'd be like picking them up from the airport. That's what they wanted me to do, or driving them around. And I'd be like, man, they still get colds. They still poop. They still put on underwear. You know what I mean? I'm, I, I'm just being honest. I'm like, they're people too. Like, I, you know what? They're real people. I don't have to put them on a pedestal. Yep. Think about your favorite artist that you would go gaga over. They still poop. Okay? Number four, <laughs> the picture in my head is not a healthy or rational picture. Number five, I've stopped my negotiation. Oh, excuse, excuse me. I've stopped my negative thoughts before, and I'm going to do it again. I've, I've been through this before. I've stopped it. I'm going to do it again. And you start developing your mental gymnastics. And I got two minutes. It's not the first time I feel anxiety, and I'm going to take some deep breaths and keep going. If that's you, if you felt it before, it's not the first time I felt it. I got over it. I'm going to take some deep breaths. I'm going to run. I'm going to put some weight up, I'm going to listen to, a, watch a sitcom, listen to peaceful music, I'm going to worship, that's what you really should do is worship, I mean that, putting some praise music on, man, when we were in the thick of labor with JC, I put some praise, I put some, not, not then, I put worship music on, soaking music on, and then when the baby came, we switched over to some praise music, because he's here, but um, soaking, it was soaking, it was like an environment, help keep us at peace in, in a very, you know, you're in stressful, we get through stressful situations, but you will get through it. You've been through it before, you get through it again. Every valley has a mountain, and every mountain has a valley, but I choose to focus on the mountain when I'm in the valley, and not the valley when I'm on the mountain, because you can always focus. I'm going to say it one more time. I choose to focus on the mountain, the highs of life, when I'm in the valley, as opposed to the lows of life when I'm on the mountain. Because, yeah, I met people and they're like, yes, life's great right now, but there's a cloud coming. It's sunny today, but winter's coming. I'm like, okay, Eeyore. <laughs> You're right. You're right. There, we live in Ohio, but hey, guess what? We'll get to snowboard. Hey, guess what? We're going to have a bonfire soon. Hey, guess what? We're going to sweat right now, but it's fun. Hunter... I taught them that everybody poops. Everybody. <laughs> I, I didn't show them. <laughs> yeah, we're doing good. So I'm just saying. Don't worry about what other people think about you. Don't put people on a pedestal. Don't think you can't handle it. Don't let the enemy make you feel small. Worrying doesn't add an inch to your height, a cubit to your stature. It won't make you big. It won't allow you to, to feel the way you need to feel when you just tackle the situation. And if you feel small because of worry or anxiety, there's a natural way to gain testosterone in your body. When everybody do this, throw your hands up. Throw your hands up all the way up, all the way up. Throw them up high, high to the sky, high. Get, I mean those elbows. I want to see them up. One, two, three, four, 
five, six, seven, not yet, Maya. I almost called Jamila. Nine, ten, all right, all right. That's what you got to do. It literally, it, when you are worshiping God, put your hands in the air. Say, God, pick me up. Pick this boulder up. Pick this demonstration of heaviness, the stress I've been. And while you're doing that, God's literally allowing a release of testosterone in your body when you do that. He has a natural way of releasing testosterone when you put your hands up. Like, I can do this. With God, I can do this. And and girls have a similar sense of, uh, actually, there's, there's a small sense of, I think, testosterone, too. I'll look it up. Yeah. Yeah. Girls, too. And guys are getting estrogen, but that's not what I'm talking about. All right. Everybody poops. Let's go. I'm going to pray really fast.